Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm sitting here with Chad. We had a guest speaker. No, we didn't. Do we have a guest speaker last week? What week is this? I don't know if you know this, Robert, but you spoke last week. I did. Oh, we did a podcast. We did the long podcast. Yeah, Sorry, we just brain. talked we, about we've that. We've been busy lately. We had, we had Megan talked about Hope. She yep. killed it. It was great. And I was really smart. I had you speak the next week after. Yeah, thanks for that. You spoke about humility last week. I thought you killed it. Thanks, I was, man. I was over at our East Mesa location watching you, and it was it was great. It's I hard learned. to it's hard to be like you know what I did a really good job on that talk on humility. You know, I, <laughs> I can't exactly uh, agree with you on that. I have to say, no, no, no. Yeah, it's a little uh, counterproductive when you do that. So, <laughs> so hope, humility, and then this past week. I talked about wisdom. Yep. When we're talking about these three elements that really gave Daniel influence in, in multiple cultures, multiple systems, uh, empires. And, and so you talked about wisdom. Explain for us, define for us, what is wisdom? Well, I, I did two passages of scripture this past week. Uh, one was from Jeremiah. Maybe we'll talk about him in a minute. And then the other is from James. So James in the New Testament talks about what, what wisdom actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally he breaks it apart. There's earthly, and he puts it in quotes, there's earthly wisdom, which is actually of the devil and about selfishness. And then there's heavenly wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so as ambassadors of Jesus, if we're Jesus followers, we obviously are to represent that kingdom and practice heavenly wisdom. And wisdom, James says, is not about what you know. Uh It's about what you show. Yep. Uh, It's about what you actually do. Yeah. Um, Which means, and this is the sobering thing, right? Which means we can be right about something and still be foolish in how we go about being right. Yeah. So according to the Bible, wisdom is not about intellect. It's not about IQ. It's, it's about what you do. Yeah. It, it's about what you do with what you know. Uh, so wisdom is, is relational. All right. I have, a, I have a story. It's kind of a one-off, whatever. It actually happened yesterday and I ended up using it in young adults talking about exactly what you're talking about. Well, you started off this gig all over the place. Are, are, are we good? We're good. Okay. We're good. So to reel you back in. I got a phone call yesterday and it's, we'll, we'll, we won't say her actual name. We'll say Kate, who's uh, the spouse of, of one of our exec team members. And um, <laughs> Kate calls and she goes, hey, your brother's a cop, right? Kate, that's so subtle. Yeah, so I don't want to say okay. who it was. We'll just All say right. Kate. Um, and I'm like, where is this conversation about to go? I'm like, yeah, he's Lieutenant Scottsdale, blah, blah, blah. She goes, does he have handcuff keys? And I'm like, what? And she goes, I, it's kind of strange. I'm sure you've been, you know, you, you've had to deal with this before, you know, kind of thing. And uh, my son had some handcuffs, like just for like play or whatever. And he put them on me and then the key broke off. But they're like real handcuffs. And now we can't get them off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, this isn't normal. Like, this is not something that we've all dealt with in different times. So I call my brother. He goes, yeah, I have spare keys lying around the house or whatever. You can use them to, to undo the cuffs. Um, anyhow, so we go. I'm searching everywhere. Can't find them. Call my Chandler PD buddy. He's like, hey, I'm actually with my son at golf. Call my Phoenix PD buddy who lived on our street. He comes over with his key. Key's too small. Um, anyhow, so we're searching everywhere and she's kind of panicking cause they keep, every time we mess with them, they get a little tighter on, oh, a, yeah. on her hand. She's getting a little claustrophobic. Anyhow. Hand, hands turning purple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So finally we end up picking the lock. Uh, but I shared this story last night with our young adults. What, what if we got the key? And we all just celebrated. We finally got the key and we're all high five and this is amazing. And then she just left. And we didn't use it. And we never used it. Yeah. The whole idea of the Bible is, is truth sets us free, but it's truth as we apply it. 
you use the key to unlock the cuffs. You use the truth. You use the wisdom of God. You use God's uh, inspired word to unlock where we're bound up. And so the whole idea of James is don't just hear God's word, do what it says and you'll be blessed and you'll find freedom. Yeah. So wisdom is relational and, 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 and here's, here's, here's what that means. It's, it's our relationship with anything. Mm -hmm. So is it people to people? Oh, of course it is. But if you want to be wise financially, that's about your relationship with money. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you want to be uh, wise in your business, that's about your relationship with people and customers, but also how you manage the books, yeah. right? It's about your relationship with accounting. And so wisdom is, is relational and it's all about application. In, in the book of Proverbs, uh, the gap between wisdom and foolishness, the difference mm-hmm. between those things. So foolishness is knowing the right thing to do, but not doing it. Mm-hmm. And the gap between the knowing and the doing is how big of a fool you are. Yeah. Wisdom is you know it and you, and you do it. So yeah. yeah, wisdom's you unlock the handcuffs. You put it into practice. Now you used a passage uh, as you were preaching this weekend and it's from Jeremiah and it's one of the most famous chapters and really, there's a verse in this chapter that's the most famous, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Yeah. It's on pillows. You've probably seen it at your grandma's house it's, if you grew up in a church family. Somebody's got a tattoo. Listen to right now. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. Yep. Yeah. And, and where do you think they have this tattoo at? Uh, I won't leave that alone. <laughs> okay. You're talking about handcuffs uh, on their, and on their shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 this and the is going off the rails, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, a, it's a free one. Uh, so... Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Yeah, and and it's plans to prosper you to and give you, give you hope. hope and a future. future. And, and people are like, yes, this is my life verse. Give us the context of this verse. Yeah. So we've been talking about the book of Daniel over the past few weeks. Uh, Daniel and Jeremiah are contemporaries, mm-hmm. uh, as is Ezekiel in your in your Bible. So Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel all living during the same time, dealing with uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. And the exile of the Jewish people to, to Babylon. So Jeremiah 29 is Jeremiah giving the regular people, because Daniel's kind of in a high place mm-hmm. uh, there in the king's court, but he gives instructions to the regular people. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ends those instructions with, um, well, he, he towards the end of the instructions, it's for, I know the plans I have for you. So that verse is given to those people for that time. Yeah. Now, principally, the truth is, if you're a Jesus follower, God knows the plans he has for you. Right. He has given you a hope in a future. So principally, yes, but Jeremiah 29, 11 is technically not for you. It's, it's for the people who are in exile in Babylon. Yeah. And, and what I love about the context of it, because we, we go, oh, everything's going to be fine. This life's going to go well. Like God only has good things planned for me. Uh, when we take that verse out of context, in context, Jeremiah's writing, he's saying, hey, you're going to be in exile for a really long time. Time. In yeah. other words, if you're an adult hearing my words, you're, you're going to live the rest of your life in exile. You're going to die in Babylon. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and get comfortable. Go ahead and plant gardens and marry off your kids and, and plan on this being a long haul exile. Yeah. So Jeremiah 29, right right there, a few verses up from verse 11, um, is, is the verse that we emphasized. He said, what do you do in exile? I'm not Daniel. I'm not in the King's court. You know, what, what do I do in a godless culture? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you pray for the peace and prosperity of your city. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, because God tells the people of God who are living in the personification of evil, Babylon itself, I want you to pray for the peace and the prosperity of that city. And then God tells us why, because if the city prospers, you will prosper. Yeah. And so how do we engage a godless culture? Well, um, we live well. 
we, we prosper. Uh, we, we follow God. We're competent in our jobs. Um, the more successful we are, the more prosperous we are, the more influential we are. And so it's just a really fascinating passage of scripture because everybody thinks, you know, fight or flight, but engage is for your good and for the good of, of society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for a lot of people, they go, okay, when do I fight? When do I, you know, are, are there times when I do fight? How do you know the difference when it's time to fight and when it's time to engage? Because those yeah. two things look different. And some people, their minds, maybe they don't look different. But when is it time to fight? When is it time to engage and, and explain the difference? So the biggest fight you will have in your life from a godly perspective will be you fighting your own sin. Mm-hmm. If you want to fight, fight your own sin. Yeah. Um, we're actually not called to fight the sin around us as Jesus followers. We're called to fight the sin in us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest issues of my life are me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am to fight that and I'm, I'm to strive to, to live holy. Um, you said this last week, the times that Daniel takes a stand mm-hmm. is when the government was wanting him to sin. That's right. Um, and you fight that. Yep. You, you take a stand there. Um, but other than that, you're, you're fighting your own sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, and you're um, loving and engaging the culture, the culture well. And so I, I think in moments where the government might call me to sin, you know, they want us all to bow down or you can't operate monetarily, mm-hmm. you know. We we would take a stand there because we don't bow to anything but Jesus. If they wanted us to deny Jesus, then obviously we take a stand there. Yep. Um, if there is great oppression uh, against people in society, then then we obviously take a stand there because mm-hmm. uh, that's asking me to contribute yep. uh, to to sin, and and so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Um, you know, there's those kinds of things that we take a stand against. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, and then you, you shared from James and you, you shared some of the wisdom of James. What does it look like to relationally be wise uh, in how we interact with people, how we how we approach people, our perspective towards them? Give, give some of that, uh, that that you were unpacking this weekend. Well, James literally does a list. He says, when wisdom that comes from heaven uh, is, is these things and mm-hmm. he lists it out. And so what I did is I, in the sermon, pick four of those. I want people to listen to the sermon, so I'm not going to get yeah. them all in. Which, by the way, if he's given, here's what heavenly wisdom is. My assumption is there's worldly wisdom. Well, there's different types. If we really want to get prophetic about it, uh, worldly wisdom is what we've seen the church practice over the past 18 months. Hmm. Uh, Because worldly wisdom is about selfish ambition and bitterness and envy. And James literally says where there's chaos, where there's disorder, uh, there's earthly wisdom. He actually says wisdom from the devil, demonic wisdom going on. And so a lot of what we've seen recently... Uh, in the name of God is not in the name of God. Yeah. Um, Lies, accusations, that, that all comes from the enemy. And, and that's what's creating chaos. Yeah. And, and just and in the realm of a picture I saw on the news this morning. Um, just because somebody's got a Bible in their hand or they're carrying a cross doesn't mean they're godly or that they represent Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we're on the podcast, I'm going to speak frankly. One Please. of the things that's really pissing me off lately is when somebody's got a Bible or a cross and they're a racist mm-hmm. and it just drives me crazy. I think that's a righteous, holy anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not of God. Mm-hmm. So just for the record, this is me watching the news this morning and now I'm commenting on it. Racism is always a sin. It's always wrong. It's always evil. It's never right. It doesn't represent the kingdom of God. Uh, it is the antithesis of what Jesus represents. 
So, um, yeah, just because somebody's got a cross or a Bible doesn't mean that they're that they're godly. Uh, wisdom from heaven uh, is full of grace. Yeah. So I talked about the four things, but the bottom line is it's full of grace. Grace is the best gift that the church can give the world because grace is what makes Jesus different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking around and, and again, I'm all of this is anecdotal, right? We all have our perspectives based on who we listen to, uh, what we watch, what we, you know, what we allow into our lives as far as news, social media, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but you and I were talking, there, there's been a lot of ungrace outside the church, but also inside of the church. Uh, talk about what ungrace looks like, and which would be worldly wisdom in some cases. It would be just evil in other cases. But talk about what is ungrace. Well, the foundation of ungrace is self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. The foundation of ungrace is moral superiority. So let, let's just go with the fight the culture. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give grace to people who d- don't believe what I believe. I'm going to fight it, right? And everything they say is wrong, and that's, that's the end of it. That would be what we call a holy war. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's just think about this. So I'm going to fight in the name of God because there's evil over there, and I represent holiness. That's not biblical Christianity. That's another religion that has holy wars, and they call it jihad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's two very different things. Um, Christians do not run around touting their moral superiority and fight the world to change it. Christians run around lifting the banner of grace and how Jesus has changed our lives as sinners and inviting the world to accept it as well. It's something totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we're so busy using the tactics of the world, the tactics of the enemy that we've forgotten the battle plan of the Lord. His banner over us is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, his banner over us is amazing grace. And that's what changes things. Jihad, holy war is something else. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say that this weekend. Maybe I should have. Yeah. There's a, there's an outward focus in that where you're looking at everybody else. What's everybody else doing wrong? Uh, you mentioned earlier, there, there's a difference in Daniel. He's looking inward. He's using the Bible as a mirror, not as binoculars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and James flat out says that. He says, do what the word says. And then he gives that analogy. Imagine somebody looking at themselves in the mirror and then immediately forgetting what they look like. That, that that's what people who just hear the word and do nothing with it, they don't apply it, there's no action to it, are doing. They're looking at God's word, but they're not allowing it to reflect back into their lives to speak wisdom and to find the blessing of actually doing what God's word says individually in our own lives. Yeah. So. Yeah, wisdom is about perspective. Yeah. Um, and so hope gives us courage. Humility gives us influence. Uh, wisdom helps us to be effective. Wisdom is about effectiveness. And when you have the right perspective, it allows you to be uh, wise and effective for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You lose your perspective. You forget that it's about the kingdom of God. Suddenly start operating, you know, using the tactics of the other side. And, and, and we just lose, 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 lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but the wisdom of God brings proper perspective and then it brings power. Uh, and it, and it changes things. I, um, this past weekend, I, I told the story of when I got, you know about this, when I got invited to speak at the Ritz-Carlton in Dallas, uh-huh. and, and my rental car was a Chevy Cobalt. That was awesome. <laughs> so I'm pulling up in my blue Chevy Cobalt. Throwing the keys to the valet. Yeah. Don't say, scratch it. That's what I'd said. Yeah, I said that in the sermon. Um, you know, and so I'm, I'm speaking to this uh, group of millionaires who really want to change society. Which, by the way, if you drive a Chevy Cobalt, we love you. You're God welcome at you. Sun Valley. Yeah, it's just... I would have been driving your car at the Ritz-Carlton with Bentleys all around yeah, me. That, yeah. that's, that's the funny part of it. Um, here's, here's the bottom line. So this group, this group of people did an objective, uh, secular study 
on what changes society, like mm-hmm. for the past couple hundred years, through wars, through famines, through pandemics, mm-hmm. through depression. And they're combing through data, right? They're just looking at pure data. So the, the professor that led the study is an agnostic, mm-hmm. and he hired this group of people, and, 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 and you know this wealthy group of people who hired him. And the group that I'm speaking to, there's Christians in the group, there's Jewish people in the group, there's agnostics in the group. I mean, it's, it's an eclectic group. They're just wealthy, and they want to give to charities that actually work. And here's what they found in all that study. Um, where the, the Christian church thrives, society thrives. Hmm. And I thought to myself, they could have just called me, you know. <laughs> I could have just told them I, that. I just saved them a little money, yeah. Um, and that's been God's plan all along. Um, it's not where there's this type of government, where there's this, where, there's, where the Christian church thrives, society thrives. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is that? What's the, what's the connection? What's the, the causation between those two things? Well, because the church is God's plan to redeem the world. That's right. Right? Yeah. And so where there's strong churches, now this is what they found in their study, where there's strong churches, there's stronger families. Mm-hmm. Where there's stronger families, there's stronger work ethic. Um, there's, uh, you all, know, a, all the a, risk a, rates for kids are going down. A legacy of healthier yep. marriages moving forward, all that. Basically this group, because they wanted the Christian church to thrive, because that's what the study said, they pick four objectives. They want to grow the Christian church. They want to increase the value of marriage. They want to decrease divorce and decrease unwed pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that's their objectives. And so that's, that's what they're, that's what they're giving to. Um, but the reason it helps society thrive is because that's where lives and hearts are actually, actually changed. Yeah. 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 Shockingly, God's plan is the best plan. Yeah. Which God hasn't abandoned his original plan. No, he's not. So the Garden of Eden, God creates the world. He, he gives it to mankind to steward, to help rule and, and lead. Uh, and, and we blew it, but God didn't give up on it. God goes, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to buy it back. And, and in the church, through the church, we receive God's grace and God's grace begins to restore this broken fabric of society. Uh, and it's through not just knowing the word, but applying the word, following the ways of Jesus in our lives actually benefits our lives and benefits the lives of those around us, restores society. It, it's not just a, I checked off the box, I'm a Christian. It's actually going, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus in these areas of my life and, and allow him to transform my marriage, my finances, my workplace, my parenting, every area of my life. And in that, we begin to get back to that garden of Eden that God designed. And one day, he'll complete the restoration process. And until that day, we're ambassadors of a different way of operating, different way of living, restoring that fabric. Pray for the peace and prosperity of the city, because if the city prospers you too will prosper. Mm-hmm. It's, it's us, you know, cause we're all going, well, we're, I'm not in a position of Daniel, you know, I'm, I'm not in the presidential cabinet, right? I, I, I don't, yeah. listen, if you follow Jesus in the stuff of your everyday life and you teach your children to do the same and you represent the kingdom of God, well, uh, you're engaging the culture. Mm-hmm. We, we way overthink it. There's, there's so many passages of scripture in the Bible that just say, Hey, live a quiet, godly life that honors God build relationships with people that don't know him. Mm-hmm. And that's how we usher in the kingdom. Um, yeah. If you want to see the city of, of rebels become the city of the righteous, then live a righteous life, mm-hmm. not in moral superiority, but in a celebration of a God's grace mm-hmm. uh, and invite people to receive grace as well. And that's, that's how the world changes. That's how culture changes. Yeah. Yeah. James says, if you're struggling with wisdom in this area, pray, ask God. Uh, pray for wisdom. And, and while you're praying for wisdom, pray for your city. In fact, I think we should end the podcast uh, praying for our city. I agree. Um, 
Chad, you want to pray for us, pray for our city, uh, wherever somebody might be listening, uh, that God would, would bless us. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we pray for wisdom. Uh, each of us right now, wherever we are, home in the car, wherever we are, I pray you'd give us wisdom. Uh, give us wisdom to know the right things to do and the courage to do them. Give us wisdom to represent you well. It's, it's not just about being right. It's about how to go about being right. And so I pray that you would teach us. I pray that your love, mercy, grace, and truth would flow in us and through us. God, work it in as we work it out. And I pray that uh, we would be the people in that, the church that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.